Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Three Peas in a Pod, the new podcast from the team behind Partnerships Bulletin and P3 Bulletin. I'm Paul Jarvis, the editor, and today we're focusing on the work of the Build America Centre. Deputy Editor Jonathan Davis will shortly be speaking to Kingbing Tsui, who's leading the new organisation. After that, Jonathan and I will be discussing some of the main issues to come out of the conversation. So without further ado, over to you, Jonathan. Thank you for joining us today, King Bin, on this episode of Three Peas in a Pod. It's great to have you with us. Thank you. At the Build America Centre, you're right at the forefront of implementing the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. So what does this actually mean for you on a day-to-day basis and how has the implementation been so far? Yeah, so the IAJA law is a once-a-generation infrastructure investment. So this is also a once-a-generation opportunity for you know, researchers or for practitioners to really focus on the infrastructure investment. So the center, Build America Center, running quite well in supporting of the implementation of the IAJA law. We are working closely with the Federal Highway Administration, Build America Bureau, uh, and the other agencies within the U.S. Department of Transportation. And we support the local public agency to help them apply for IAJA funding and help them to deliver infrastructure projects there. So from a local government perspective, what help did they get? You mentioned navigating through the different grant systems and taking those early steps in preparing their projects and pipelines. But how does that work and what can local authorities expect to receive from the centre? That's a good question. Actually, I want to really start here by mentioning there is a great need from the local public agency. So we see that the you know, big counties, the big cities, they have resources available to apply for IIJA funding. Uh, they have the resources to deliver the project, but it's a very challenging for small counties, small cities. They don't have the resources. They don't have uh, expertise to work with the federal government. And that's the area that the Build America Center tried to help them. And we see the urgency and the IAJA law, the fundings will be awarded very quickly. And so they need to really plan ahead. They need to really leverage their existing resources and also any expertise that they can leverage so that they can compete and receive federal grants. So what we provide to them here is that number one, first to really help them to understand the funding opportunity there. It's very interesting to note that sometimes even we all have already realized that uh, there's a $1.2 trillion uh, infrastructure investment. But in terms of a specific project, they're just so complicated, so many programs. And uh, we can help local public agency to understand where the funding available for them project and also what kind of a project that they can apply for federal support. In addition to this, uh, we call it a fund navigation there. We do help them to really evaluate their local resources, local projects, so that they can target the best program that they can apply for funding. Many times we also connect them with some private organization who can really provide detailed consulting service there. 
we also help them to partner with uh, other public agency. Uh, you might know that there's a great challenge for local public agency to really meet the minimal, let's say, the threshold level of the project size. Small counties, you don't have a big projects that can meet the uh, program's minimal project size. Five million dollar, it's a minimal size for one program, but it's a big project for a small city or county there. And how can you really bundle those projects together? You know, leverage those innovative project delivery approach. And that's another area that we work closely with USDOT to help the local public agency. There are other type of technical assistance that we provide. And I, I can refer you to visit our website, uh, bac.umd.edu, to see more information there. When you say about translating $1.2 trillion opportunity into what that means for a small authority or small city somewhere, what commonly does that actually translate into for them? Where are you seeing their attentions being pushed to at this early stage? So many local agencies understand the funding availability. They know that there is a tremendous federal grants available for local public agencies. However, the big challenge here is that there is a gap. There is a miscommunication and regarding how the individual local public agency can receive that funding and how they can receive, how they can really comply with the federal regulation after they receive the federal grants and deliver the crucial infrastructure projects within their regions there. So I personally talk to many local public agencies trying to understand their needs. And uh, as I just mentioned there, they don't have the resources. They don't have a you know, workforce. And especially, it's not an issue only for public agencies. It's also an issue for private organizations there too. The second, I see the urgency need that they need to leverage the funding opportunity so that they can actually plan ahead. It takes several months or years for them to receive the federal grants. However, their project cannot wait so long. And they need to manage the matching funds, managing their cash flow so that they can actually deliver the project to meet the needs from the public in their regions. Okay, so where do P3s fit into this? As you say, these are new authorities navigating this environment and P3s could be an extra level of complexity to that, which potentially offer more opportunities, but it is difficult. So yeah, where do P3s fit into this at this stage of thinking? Excellent question, actually, that some people were concerned about the P3 opportunity under this increasing federal grants or federal funds there. I personally see that this is a great opportunity. And, you know, it's not only an opportunity for public agencies, it's also a great opportunity for the P3 community. One critical reason here is that when local public agencies receive federal funds, they need to match they need to provide 20% of the matching funds. And that's typical requirements for federal aids programs there. And the local public agency, they might not really have that kind of matching funds or local resources to match the federal grants. And that's the area that the private organization can step in to help the local public agency to deliver crucial infrastructure projects. Second area, the IIJA law opened the door for many other infrastructure projects there, EV charging stations. There is a revenue embedded in those kind of a project that P3 model 
can not only help the local publishing to deliver the project, but also deliver the project as needed and also as planned, that outcome-based research approach that we can deliver the project as what actually the public want. So it's not only delivery, but also deliver the project based on the public needs. So that's another area that the P3 community can market and promote this kind of outcome-based approach for project delivery. One of the first problems or issues that authorities have to face with P3s is trying to figure out what value for money is. And that can be a thorny issue. We've seen it play out all around the world. And it's one that's currently unresolved. And I know this is something that you're working on right now. So where does value for money fit into what you're working on? And how does it apply to this situation and trying to solve it? Thank you for that question. That's an excellent question. And we do see the needs of streamlining the value for money practice. So we start a research project on value for money. The value for money analyzes general accepted principle. So it's just to follow the general accepted accounting principle. So we want to start from the top and then streamline the process here. So it's easy to really accept some general principles in terms of the critical project delivery there. And when we go down to detailed delivery, for example, what kind of discount rate we should use for a specific project, that's basically the area that people are debating, you know, agree, disagreed on those detailed issues there. But in terms of um, the general public, general principle, and even that we talk to different groups, the private company, Supporting the P3, some companies that are opposing the P3, even the union group who oppose some of the P3 projects, we talk to them, they all agree at a high level, general level. And that's the reason that we developed this principle so that we can bring all stakeholders together. Because our goal, I mean, for every organization, I think we all agree that we need to deliver those crucial infrastructure projects that meet the public needs. And so we recognize the common interest for everybody so that we bring this. And then we develop this general accepted principle. Let's just uh, you know, start with the agreed principle. Then we will basically develop some guideline and see whether this kind of a practice meets that principle or not. So I have to really recognize that uh, you know, we have a great partner companies, uh, Rebel, help us to develop that. We also got a tremendous support from, I would say, all critical players within the P3 industry in the United States. And we got uh, more than you know, 100 responses when we conducted the survey. All critical P3 players participated in that survey, and they all see the needs that we developed this uh, uh, general accepted principle uh, for value for money analysis, and we call it the blue book. Hopefully, this will be a blue book that we can follow and shape how the P3 value for money be conducted in the United States in the future. So you're confident that we can get that final answer and that there's enough consensus from all the different stakeholders that you can see something emerging out of this? That's correct. So in terms of the principle, we all agree that, you know, the value for money analysis should be objective, should be comprehensive and cover life cycle and uh, ensure the accountability and the transparency there. So those are all high level principles that we 
try to really uh, develop and make sure that every stakeholder in the P3 field that can accept and so that we all agree. Based on that general accepted principle, then we can basically detail that principle in terms of the implication and also how do we implement that single principle. And that's the area that we see some disagreement or maybe some different opinion there, which is all fine. But we all agree that we should really be transparent. And then how do we really make sure that that transparency principle be followed in individual project? And that's the detail that probably would be implemented at the individual project there. And uh, the principle help us to really bring all stakeholders together and build the crucial infrastructure here. Those high-level principles that you talk about embedding, we quite often see these kind of conversations in emerging markets. And it's all about, you know, trying to legitimize projects and give those blue ribbons to projects so we know that they've been thoroughly thought through. So you're saying that if we find an answer to this, that this could be working in tandem with multilateral, so it could solve the global issue of value for money. We definitely have that ultimate goal, hopefully, that uh, our principle can be applied to other industry, other P3 projects there. Uh, so currently, we focus on the transportation industry, just because that we are familiar with that. And also, we have the strong support from uh, the U.S. Department of Transportation and also the transportation P3 industry there. But with that said, uh, we actually got interest from other industries. So the U.S. Department of Treasury, we have a conversation with them because they provide a technical assistance to international P3 project funded by the U.S. government. And they are interested in the general accepted principle that we're developing and see whether that can be applied to that international project, P3 projects funded by the U.S. government. We definitely see that most of the P3 projects follow very similar principle and also the theory and also the practice should be applicable to other industry too. We just right now focus on the transportation industry and we are hoping that once we have this principle ready and we can talk to P3 players in other industry so that we can work together and revise that principle, make sure that this principle can be generally accepted by other industry too. Fantastic. I mean, what an opportunity. And you mentioned there that you've got theory and you've got practice. And this is where the Build America Center really has a unique position in that you're helping to stimulate these pipelines, but also to certify them at the same time. And I know that stretches beyond just value for money and also into best practice. So can you tell us a bit about what other areas you're looking to install some thorough and best practice for the entire industry in the US? And, uh, you know, this could be a golden opportunity to really lock in some high standards. Yes. So we follow the IAGA law and the requirements there. So we develop some of other tools and also best practice. So for example, the Congress mandated USDOT to develop the guideline for rate of return, private financing. So we help the USDOT to develop that, such kind of tools. And the most critical thing, I would say that the Build America Center bring to the industry here is the data-driven 
study. So we uh, work with the Federal Highway Administration built the largest major project database. We have the data. We can actually understand the risks under individual P3 project or other major project delivered using other type of delivery method. So data-driven approach makes sure that all the analysis is not just uh, based on the expert opinion, which is many times that people criticizing because uh, uh, it's very difficult to validate. But on the other hand, when we have the data, it makes a strong case to defend your study and also build a process that we can learn, right? We can learn and in the future we can improve. We know that we all make a mistake here, but the challenge or the most critical thing here is that we got to really learn from those mistakes. And the other thing here is that, that we're focusing on is we should really learn from those, we, we don't really call it a field P3, but it's unsuccessful P3. Even you know some of the projects, they're canceled because of maybe value for money analysis, maybe because of other reasons here. People all criticize that it's uh, not good for P3 market. Actually, it demonstrated that P3 doesn't really apply to every major project. So the cancellation of a P3 project sometimes indicates that the P3 model works. So it's not really a bad example. Maybe it's a good example to demonstrate the value of the P3 value for money analysis. So we are developing, we call it EDICS P3 certificate program in partner with Federal Highway Administration and also Stanford University so that uh, we can really build a coursework, a certificate program, which include managing some distressed P3 projects so that people can learn and make sure that we can deliver a successful P3 project in the future. You know, that objectivity that you mentioned really comes into play with P3s, doesn't it? Because they can often become politicized. And if authorities can rely on data-driven objective results that say, this is why we're doing this, and this is why we've chosen, or this is why we've chosen not to do this, that can only be a benefit for the industry as a whole. And P3s that you said aren't always the right choice. But if they are the right choice, we don't want that opportunity to be taken away because of other factors. Entire US government actually are promoting this evidence-based public policy or decision-making. So we're actually supporting that kind of effort and using the major project data to help the public agency to make a better decision there. What can the private sector do to assist the Build America Center in what it's doing? I know you said about all the stakeholders involved in the value for money assessment and the other programs like that, but what can the private sector provide for you to help IIJA really achieve its potential, especially from this P3 partnership perspective? Yeah, we are working closely with the private industry. So I really want to thank ADBA AIAI organizations to help us in the market to build America center. And we are always working closely with the private company and we are looking for more partnership with the private company. Uh, on the other hand, I would also encourage the private company to really continue the best work here because the P3, the essential part of the P3 is the innovation there. So when we are delivering the project using the P3, we actually you know, trying to be very innovative and bring the innovation from the private industry 
to the public domain so that uh, the general public can benefit from this kind of innovative delivery product deliveries there. So there's so tremendous opportunity that you know you can bring the P3 innovation to let's say EV charging infrastructure there, to broadband project there, and also bring innovation to those small P3 projects there. So that's an area that private industry can help the public, help the local public agency to deliver and build a better American infrastructure there. So I also, you know, engage, hope that the private company can always continue this excellent job and continue the innovation and help the public agency to do a better job. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, QC. It's been really exciting to hear what you're working on. And I get the sense that this is just the beginning of what could happen. So we're all excited to see where this could go. Thank you very much. So that was really interesting. I think one of the things to come out of it was the talk around small counties and cities being the focus of this new centre. This is perhaps often a missed area in P3s, I think. It's really important that projects don't fall between the cracks of being too big for a local authority, but not big enough to attract the interests of either federal or private partners. I think it's the problem that Graham have been trying to solve in Canada with their project at Wetaskiwin, which is, has been sort of heralded as a bit of a an innovative project. But it's good to see that you know, more and more effort and focus is being put, I think, on these areas rather than just the very big projects. Well, definitely. But I think it goes into the larger picture that P3s are just another tool that can be used on all kinds of projects and at all kinds of scales with the right fit. But it also plays into as well the larger theme of getting new entrants, both in terms of new firms and new authorities. We see all over the US the idea of getting more female-owned firms and more minority ethnic firms involved and that works best on a local level and so perhaps starting with these smaller projects this might be a perfect gateway to get those kind of movements through the door because trying to do your first job on a multi-billion pound light rail that's a mean feat. Yeah definitely I think um, it's definitely an area that we'll keep an eye on and um, I'm sure we'll see more coming through and it's part of that education process of authorities as well isn't it in that what uh, a lot of the work now, I think, following the Infrastructure Act being passed and all that money you know, sort of flowing down into states and local authorities, I think that's one area that is needed is the actual knowledge of how to apply that money and how to apply it best, whether that's through a P3 model or whatever other model. But actually having those options available to you is important. Definitely. And I heard an advisor the other day saying that he, he described it as a minefield for these new authorities because it's complicated right it's not a straightforward path and there's lots of different programs that are all trying to be connected together through one overall vision for an authority and and that's difficult and the advice is get good advice basically whether that's through the build america center or privately these projects are hard and they've got to be done properly but they are achievable and i think that's something that QC was really trying to get across its education and then that will enable authorities to do it and that education only has to happen the first time then you take those skills which you've learned and you can do a whole pipeline if you wanted to not necessarily p3s but you know the more skills and more tools that you've got the better 
Yes, and I think that question of waiting for cash, which came up in, in your conversation as well, it's always a big problem, isn't it, for both public and private parties. So the fact that the centre is there and the idea behind it is that it can perhaps help smooth some of those peaks and troughs, I think that'll be enormously valuable. And it's, it's interesting to see how P3s fit into this. I know it's not the only area that the IIJA has has put forward, but it has put it forward. And that has been a change during this whole couple of years. And as you see, we've got new authorities who are now considering it. I spoke to someone the other day who said that this is the first time that the industry doesn't have to try and convert people to use P3s. It's a legitimate tool now. It's, it's got that federal backing. And every party, both private and public, have to be ready to do that and have to meet in the middle because that's the name of the game and that's where the opportunities are. Yes, and there's definitely that acceptance, isn't there, that P3 is an embedded part of infrastructure delivery. And I think the fact that it's there and the QC was talking so positively about the potential for it to be used in a variety of ways and in conjunction with what the centre is doing really puts P3s at the heart of this infrastructure movement that we're seeing in the US at the moment, which is really exciting. And I think another area that was really quite interesting was that piece at the end, really, where QC and you were talking about this idea of a worldwide value for money solution. That would be a massive step forward for the industry around the world, wouldn't it? And I think one of the things that's going to be really important there is transparency, which obviously you talked about. You know, there's experience, particularly in the UK here, where the issue of transparency was an issue. It kind of played PFI in that there was this perception quite often that the value for money tests were being perhaps rigged in favour of the private investment outcome. I think making sure that the value for money test is not only transparent, but also understood to a certain extent is going to be a very important part of that. But if that were something that was able to come forward, then yes, we'd see big advances in the US, but we'd see advances in a lot of other countries and particularly emerging markets. It goes across all sectors, doesn't it? I mean, if the US can, in a big way, work through some of these problems and emerge and and use it, it reverberates around the world. And a lot of, we do see in emerging markets, a lot of legal frameworks that are set up to be based upon or to allow US firms to be involved. And the international market can then really work in these more difficult areas or more difficult environments. And The step forward cannot be overstated that if you can have that transparency and legitimacy in emerging markets that allow private capital to flow in is a game changer. And it stops if this could be made into an orthodox value for money assessment, that case can be applied across the world. The scope kind of doesn't get any bigger than that. So fingers crossed that all goes well. I know QC did say that it's still in its machinations, but... I think it seems positive. It's definitely a positive step forward in any market, including the US. Yes, I think a lot of this is in its infancy and the centre itself is obviously in its infancy. So on the one hand, it has a lot of potential. On the other hand, it has a lot of obstacles, I guess, to face and overcome. But as you said in the interview, the centre is in a really unique position in the market and perhaps anywhere in the world, really. There's, There's nothing quite like it anywhere else. I think that gives the US... You know, quite an opportunity to become a leader in infrastructure and, and P3 development. And I think it's something that people in the industry around the world, whenever anyone is asked, you know, what where's the big market, where's the big potential, people say, well, the US, if it can get off the ground, if it can actually, you know, awaken the sleeping giant. 
And it does feel increasingly that the IIJA has had a role in doing that and that things like this centre being created and starting to move things are really pushing in that direction. It's quite an exciting time, I think. And like you just said, it's early days, but the promise really is there. I mean, it's it's literally trillions of dollars that are going to be maximised through programmes like these. And that all gets boiled down right from the very top in these flagship legislation down to just small counties or cities just learning the ropes and actually procuring these projects. And it might be a number of years until we really see them come online or their procurements actually start. But it sounds to me like that things are really moving in a strong direction with the right kind of advice. And like with the value for money, is the right questions that are being settled as part of this. It's not just more, more, more. It's doing more in the right way. And that's really important. Yeah, and I think that's probably a key thing that the IIJA has done, perhaps in a way that people perhaps didn't expect it to, in that it has sort of given that framework for delivering the money that's attached to it, rather than it just being a bill of, here's a trillion dollars, go and do some stuff with it. There is some focus around the use of P3s, particularly the EVs we mentioned as a, a big part of it, but not just electric vehicles elsewhere as well. And I think... As more states and local authorities get to grips with it and have access to things like this new centre, then the opportunities are really quite big. And the good thing is, although a lot of that is potential and future potential and everyone's still sort of looking at what's going to come down the line, we are seeing deals still happening. We've seen projects come through before IIJA was signed, we're seeing them come through afterwards as well. And I think the positive thing is that the deals are being done. And as more deals happen, there are more examples in the market of how projects can be delivered. And that will only continue, I think, to um, proliferate more and more deals. So, yeah, an exciting time for the US market, which is which is really good to see. Absolutely. Let's keep that positive feedback loop going. Well, thank you very much, Paul. And especially thank you, QC. And thank you, listeners.